Welcome everyone to our first in-person, I guess second and a half, because we were in-person-ish. Yeah, but that's yeah, yeah, yeah. this time. Um, but yeah, uh, we are out in this session and the goal of these sessions really for us is to educate the two markets that we're trying to bring together. The crypto market, the advertising market, by bringing people like yourself, Andrew, on to talk about the market in general um, and just yeah, chew the cud for an hour, basically, because we like to sit in front of cameras. But yeah, so Andrew, if you'd like to introduce yourself, that'd be great. Yeah, we are. Uh, so my name is Andrew Morsey. Uh, I work in the advertising technology space. Uh, I was introduced to me through Neil. Uh, Neil's uh, a friend and someone I've worked with uh, for a few years uh, in the industry. So yeah, that's uh, that's basically what I do. He's also a big Liverpool fan. So we, we've we've um, oh, yeah. 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 <laughs> there, there's an inside joke with Neil that he sounds like he's from North London. He lives in North London, but claims to be a Liverpool fan. And he's already agreed that um, at some point in the future, he will buy us a box of the Emirates. <laughs> just take it and finally, finally come back to the team and really support from that dream. Just add it to that list of things he promised people. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, all he's going to trade in this Liverpool season tickets for an Arsenal season ticket, which I'm very happy about. Um, and yeah, so this is we are the Alchemy team. So Adam, Neil and myself, and CEO, Neil Street Commercial Officer, and Adam. COO, we've all worked in digital advertising probably combined for 30 years for our sins, and we still want more. So it's a great industry to be in, right? But Andrew, just to kind of kick things off, it'd be great to give us your take on advertising, I guess the application of blockchain, because it was spoken about before like 2018. Yeah. Where you think that's going to lead us to? Yeah. So 2021 is definitely uh, a year where you can see, I think, some of the things that were driving all the excitement three or four years ago actually coming to fruition yeah. right and it it was definitely one of those instances a few years ago where the term blockchain entered the advertising technology space and in in doing so it kind of fell foul of being one of the the new things mm -hmm. that enters ad tech right? and it's a it's a naturally cynical industry you know at the end of the day the principles of advertising haven't changed but a huge amount of the ways that media is transacted and bought and sold have and it ultimately has become automated and reliant on technology so when you have an industry that's reliant on technology and then you have a new technology i would argue a paradigm shift mm -hmm. then you get salespeople and you get money being sort of you know created around the launch of this new technology so when blockchain arrived in ad tech there are a host of companies that that kind of stuck it quickly into their product marketing collateral uh, went out to market and tried to, to make money off the fact that they had access to a blockchain, right? And as predominantly, sorry, not predominantly, but as most of the people I'm sure that would ever view this video would understand, a blockchain in itself is not a tremendously exciting thing in, in terms of what it actually is. Um, but it's the principles of what it allows that, that motivate me to, to get excited about these kind of projects because it allows you to to transact between two parties without having a middle man or middle layer verify it. And if we think about advertising, it is perfect for that, with mm. ad tech especially. So over the last 10 years, like I've been right in the middle of watching ad tech get, uh, get a reputation for being you know, a middleman tax. Mm. Okay, So a lot of the criticism that's thrown at this you know, big pot of, of advertising called programmatic is that you have to pay a tax to the technologies to allow your ads to go from uh, creative itself to publisher's page, right? 
And it's always become a necessary evil. Like in order to operate efficiently, you have to have all this technology movement. So it's right for disruption, definitely. And the things that blockchain brings are um, efficacy. So the ability to make it uh, verifiable and ultimately allow the person who's spending the money to know exactly how much of it reached the end uh, publisher. And I think very importantly for publishers, because they are one of the two primaries, right? It's advertisers and publishers. Without them, it doesn't work. Everyone in the middle is is exactly that. They're in the middle, right? So publishers, they, they're crying out for something like this. And my gut feeling is that, you know, like anything new that you take to a publisher, they'll, they'll roll their eyes a bit having to implement these things and having to be part of it. But it is a, um, you know, a next generation move, right? Blockchain will, will take many forms. There are many companies that operate blockchains and there are many things built on top of them. But ultimately, you'll see it uh, be pervasive, right? Across finance, across, um, you know, uh, and the internet in general. So what you guys do, Alchemy, is exciting to me because you're going to give all the different entities in the advertising ecosystem a chance to, um, you know, to take part in this uh, much more transparent exercise of exchanging media. Yeah, I mean, like, even what you said, like the, the transparency, right? And we were talking briefly about this before we started. It's uh, if you're trader A at agency B, you don't ever have a full picture of everything that's going on. So that's pretty unique, right? There's a lot of financial industries where you'll see every transaction that's happening and even more so in crypto industries, right? Where you can see individually which wallet has which amount, what was traded over what 24-hour period, aggregated across a number of exchanges. And from that, from that kind of glut of data, you've seen people that write algos that help you trade more effectively, right? It's And that was always, the for me, the, the promise of programmatic advertising. The, the premise was that rather than have account managers and BDs, it's analysts and traders, right? It's much, much similar to the financial market, but because they saw such a tiny sliver of the data, you make a decision, you think, oh, this is going to increase my yield, and then ad performance dives, and you're like, I don't understand why it's happening because I can't see all the information I need, and that is an issue, right? As a publisher, when you are responsible for all of the information that's being traded, but you can't see all of the information being traded, who bought it, who sold it, you get to this issue where it becomes massively inefficient, right? And it's I worked in ad tech my entire life. I love it. It's why I wanted to kind of come in and try and like help fix it because we don't think that people are necessarily doing it wrong. Ad tech providers provide legitimate services like fraud verification. They actually, the ability to deliver an ad digitally is not something that would happen without ad tech providers because advertisers are too hard pressed selling their clients, brands, and publishers. Their main role is providing content, telling a story being journalists, whatever it may be, providing free information, these are all kind of secondary to their main purposes. So you've seen, not for a lack of want or a lack of effort, but just a lack of resource, really, that you've had to work with our tech partners. And the kicker for me is that it's, in some instances, some created more work than others. Like I always remember um, in the past where you'd get an email from a planning publisher when, have you served this ad here? Who's this ad come from? And I could just imagine what that was like in a publishing website, a publisher where it's like, holy crap, we've served a gambling ad on our child's website, where that come from? Because they get the flack, they have to then find a follow-up the chain, and that can take days. And while that's happening, 
Project import. So hey. revenue's hey. gone down the hole. And it's kind of very prescient that you'd say that because because um, in the past we've had exactly those kind of conversations. Yeah, we did. Yeah, yeah. Neil and I won't go into the sort of nitty gritty of it, but yeah, we had to. Uh, uh, collaborate <laughs> through <laughs> a car crash which basically involved um, it was uh, tobacco companies ads appearing on Talking Tom I mean mistakes will always happen I, I think you know what you're going to see if, if blockchain is correctly implemented in our tech is a big shift in the way that companies are able to operate right and a lot of the time when you bring technology in and say it's the next big thing, everybody everybody kind of says, yeah, of course, you know, yeah. how's this really going to change things? I think if you look at the amount of time a company like any mid-size agency or any large agency spends on reconciliation yeah. and uh, validating uh, what's gone on to which partners and then subsequently invoicing them, you can give back that amount of time and money that can be invested in what the company purports to do, like creativity and planning and strategy. Um, that's, that is a revolutionary thing. And the, the, the blockchain infrastructure um, that you guys are rolling out is, is fundamentally capable of giving back a huge amount of time and money to, to the industry. And we, we should all be excited about that because that will drive... Um, a, a next wave of growth and innovation, right? So people will stop focusing on things, you know, not to throw shade, but like a huge part of the industry for the last five, 10 years has been companies walking around saying, we can help you, you know, know that your ads are, uh, you know, genuine and mm. things like that, right? I mean, that's, that's not a great place to be for yeah. the industry. Right? Yeah, yeah, yeah. And, and we should aspire to more than having billion-dollar valuations against companies that police ad-serving, right? So for me, I think if you can get to a point where publishers and advertisers have got a, uh, a real-time infrastructure that allows ads to be transacted between uh, the advertiser and the publisher's page, um, and there be this, this, this clear proof of, of, of what's gone on, that nobody disputes because it's all on the blockchain and nobody... Uh, can edit and it's you know resilient and immutable then that creates a completely different relationship mm -hmm. uh, for for those two for those two players and in terms of the the ad tech infrastructure it won't go away but it will just change because yeah. you'll be able to innovate because so instead of saying we're a company that focuses on making sure that uh, a transaction really happened you know that the ad was really served mm -hmm. you may well find that that kind of company becomes a company that focuses on you know improving uh, the value of ads yeah. advertising in general and i know that you guys are looking at ways um, that your tokens are used to create value and to give publishing value and that's you know that's that's innovation right, right? so that, that in itself is very exciting because yeah. i think it's interesting as well you talk about uh so it's, it's almost the opportunity loss as well right so it's like just because you have to spend all this money like verifying all these things and doing these other things you're not doing like more interesting things correct yeah yeah. And, and look at Instagram, right? They verify all their own ads, so they don't have to worry about it because they know it's true. And if you look at the number and the kind of variety of ad products they offer compared to a publisher, which, without being rude, is a display ad, a video ad, a homepage takeover, or a native ad at the bottom of the page, right? And to date, that 
That's the innovation in the market over the last five years. So we've got a new format that pisses people off less, is basically what we're saying. It's a new way for you to get different media type, or this is going to annoy people less. Like, I worked for a long time for a native ad exchange, and it was, it's similar to what we're saying, right? It was respectful ads, right? Ads that fit in. And we, I always used to give this uh, sales pitch, actually, it's kind of a funny story about why native ads truly work. And it was to do with soy milk. Bear with me here, it's a bit mental, but... The people that invented soy milk originally, when it was stocked in grocery stores, it was in the kind of cupboard aisle, the, the dry goods aisle, and they didn't sell anything. So they made a choice to move it into the fridge, refrigerator section. So now as a consumer, you go to the supermarkets, like milk, 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 not milk, what's this? And so they tried it and soy milk really kicked off. And it was, the premise around that was the native ad looks like content. It fits into where it is, but it's slightly different and that piques your attention. And you can see that happen today, right? Like there's macro levels but oat milk it was put in the fridge section with the milk to like oh soy milk oh oat milk it's kind of that repeated again it's something that's similar but different enough to pique your interest and that's what we're really excited about is that because there's this open rtb 2.5 standard that exists right now that essentially is just a javascript library of conditions that you have to meet to transport a bid request from an advertiser to a publisher or vice versa we can integrate with that system that exists already. We don't have to create a new standard. We don't have to get adoption of that new standard. We just slip into what exists already, kind of tie it back to this soy milk story. It's like very similar, but it's slightly different. And the difference here is it's cheaper. There's more transparency. There's more customability on the features that you can offer. You can take back a lot of the money that you lost. And as you were saying, reinvest that into a creative team and agency. They already have amazing content, branded content teams blow those out. That's clearly what it's doing very well on Instagram, right? And other social media platforms. Or maybe engineering teams. Every publisher I've ever spoken to said we put it to the bottom of the engineering list. So we'll now have five more engineers and improve user experience. So you have more dwell time and you have more engagement with ads because there's fewer ads. And what we're suggesting here, and I think it's why we'll talk about it a lot, is that we're not coming in and saying, turn this off and that goes on. Incremental changes to tiny different parts of the marketplace where the sum of all those parts then mean more you for a publisher, more transparency for an advertiser, and a considerably better user experience for a user. So you're then kind of re-establishing that intended value exchange that we preach about all the time is where I go to a website to get content for free. I understand that content has to be paid for, so I'm happy to have some of my preferences shared to see a relevant ad that aligns with the article I'm seeing, it's a contextual-based solution, or until the end of the year, I suppose, behavioral-based targeting for cookies. And that is a big topic, I guess, we should segue into because IDFA has disappeared as of last Wednesday and the uptake was not particularly good. I think 40% of people... Consumers say no. And it's, like, it's, it's one of the, like, when you're presented with the option, like, we're going to track you, like, no, you're not. It's, it's how the question's asked, isn't it? So, yeah. disclaimer, um, I work for a, a sizable contextual advertising business, so I am uh, I'm all about uh, the death of the cookie. Uh, sorry for any yeah. cookie-based companies that want to watch you. So, um, yeah, to my point there, it is about how you ask the question to the consumer. Um, the, the consumer in ad tech is actually too often the sort of the last mm-hmm. consideration, right? So there's a massive amount of sales and marketing that goes on in the ad tech industry around infrastructure, whether it's an exchange or an SSP or an ad server. Um, and, and actually none of those things are ever 
in any way apparent to the consumer. Right? The consumer simply sees the end product, which is the ad, uh, and they're aware of the of the, uh, of the product and service of that. In terms of you know consumer opt-in and and and, and areas like that. Generally, the consumer wants their cake and eat it. Right? Yeah. They, they, they typically, I would argue, your average person on the street who's not extremely literate in the ways of the internet simply wants to be able to go online for free, absolutely for free, mm-hmm. um, and that's primary thing. Ads, non-intrusive, um, and by non-intrusive, I mean, you know, given the majority of time spent on mobile, uh, full page, you know, yeah. interstitials and so on. So... Anything that we can do to win back uh, and, and educate through exchanges, right? So things like rewarded video mm-hmm. don't necessarily have the greatest reputation, but the consumers understand it. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And if you actually take a product or a service like that to market, it's a far more honest mm-hmm. form of advertising because people, you know, I will watch, if I'm playing a game, I'll absolutely watch a branded ad to, to get the next part of the, so to, that is a value exchange to the consumer. Almost all display uh, doesn't have that. It's yeah. just in your face, uh, based upon a targeting or non. You know, in some cases. Um, so look, I think you know what you're presented with now is an industry that has got um, a real requirement to up its game. There's a lot of money in the internet advertising space because the internet has got bigger. Yeah. And it's it's grown despite its inefficiency. Mm-hmm. It's not because of how efficient it is. It's like there's so much more time spent online now than ever before. Yeah. 12, 15 months of COVID has just accelerated it beyond belief. Uh, the biggest companies in the world, internet companies, you, you'd almost have to be, um, you know, it's almost ridiculous that you could fail because yeah. there's money has to come online, right? So companies that don't advertise online it's unheard of mm. um, but what I think you, you will see is that it has to get more efficient yeah. and certainly when you look at how money is distributed you know we're now reaching a point of maturity where you've got four or five large companies in the west and maybe similar in the, in the east and they're taking eight out of ten new dollars yeah. right if you if you don't want that to continue to get worse then you have to make sure that the ecosystem outside of those wall gardens is actually effective yeah. And and blockchain is um, certainly an opportunity for that to happen. And it, but it has to be capitalised on. And what I mean by that is, you have to make sure that it doesn't go down the path of uh, being seen as a feature. Yeah. You know, like so, a company that is now using blockchain also, it, it, that isn't the case. It's an infrastructure. It will. It's the principles of the business that you're building that will provide the the value. Yeah, it's, it's, it's just like there's like a, a dry cleaner. It's like, I've got my inventory book on the blockchain. It's like, well, why? Right? Yeah. And Jordan, you always say this. It's like blockchain will truly be adopted and ubiquitous when you don't know you're using it. Right? Like, you know, same with any technology, electricity, even the internet. I can really kind of understand how it works. I can create the internet. But everybody, like, everybody uses it. You yeah. know, like you get WhatsApp calls from... People that would, you know, my mum, 70 odd years old, she would tell you she doesn't know anything about the internet, but she can FaceTime you. Yeah. And so the internet has been made for her to put into a format that she can make calls on the internet. Yeah. And she, the, the benefits of that are, are clear to her. With, with ad tech, it will go the same way. Yeah. The initial resistance will be, 
this is more infrastructure, this is more engineering work, this is more development. But it's almost like a, a renovation. So you've got this old house, um, it needs to be to be overhauled if you're going to be able to live in it for the next 20 years. And certainly, you know, brand advertisers are aware of the uh, percentages around things like uh, waste. If you look at the big FMCG brands, they actually do make a concerted effort to have published direct relationships. They don't want money leaking. Um, they certainly don't want, um, you know, ads uh, being served outside of where they, where they want them to be. So blockchain gives you um, the tools to create transparency and control across these, these uh, players in the ecosystem. And off the back of that, you know, off the back of trust comes everything. You know, if you, if you find that people are not having to niggle at each other every month or quarter about how much was spent and why, and having to invest in you know, verification products at enormous cost, um, because that's what you need. Mm. It's, you know, I think a, a remarkable opportunity. It's one of the things I, I kind of talk about quite a lot because um, you got Mark Pritchard's speech in 2017 like, where he's talking about like, we need to train swamp, you know, um, we, need, we, need to, we need to get a more transparent system, we need to get more efficiency for our, from, for our buck. Mm. But the next year you've got Keith Weed at the same conference and he's coming out and saying it goes further than that because what's happening is impacting on consumer trust. And consumer trust is is the is the number one thing. You know, you can spend money inefficiently, and it's not going to damage your brand. But if you if you damage the trust and the faith that the consumer has in your brand or your property that you're that you're that you're talking to people by, it's hugely detrimental. Mm. Yeah, I can't think of many industries where both the buyer and the seller feels like they're being ripped off. I yeah, mean, it's crazy. Just that kind of value leap that goes on. And it just, it's going to return accountability, right? I think more than any, all these things just boil down to accountability. Like, yeah. Yeah. What was sold to who, when, and why? And that's something that's not been You know, the industry's got a headache and we've been giving people paracetamol yeah. rather than telling them to exercise and drink some water. water, right? So it's, it's almost the behavior has will, have, will change. I mean, I think the technology itself is particularly interesting because for, for many years, the you know there was one um, you know entity uh, in in the blockchain space, and then you saw this this huge increase in the amount of companies that were able to produce blockchain technology, and then off the back of that you know you have tokenization, and then suddenly everybody can buy them and access them. So yeah. it's it's almost become like a very uh, rapidly adopted um, technology, almost not by accident, but not in the way that. Uh, you know, perhaps some of the companies that built their technology intended. I think there's, to be clear to anybody who's listening to this, like, excuse me, ad tech is, is a massive opportunity. This is going to be, you know, multi-industry, right, across, um, I think, certainly, you know, you're looking at what's happening with decentralised finance and how that's just gone completely crazy yeah. um, in the last 12 months, you know, the way that the healthcare industry will use this. I'm uh, particularly interested in some companies that I'm seeing who are investing in using their blockchains for uh, things like governance records, health records, and education records in, in uh, countries where, um, you know, if I may call them, you know, third world countries where they've got considerably different problems to the ones yeah, that sure. we face yeah. in 
the Strand, you know, yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> on a nice sunny day. Um, so, so to my point, right, blockchain, it's easy for somebody or anybody in the ad tech space to kind of sneer at blockchain because what it sounds like to the uneducated, and I deliberately use that word because education is something that anybody can achieve. It's not, mm-hmm. it's not a slur to call somebody uneducated. Yeah. It's the uneducated is that it sounds like the next greatest thing that the ad tech industry has produced to solve its own problems. Yes. And it's very much not. It's very much right back to the start of the conversation. It's it's another industry, the cryptographic industry, uh, providing like a, a truly global opportunity for multiple industries. And if you're going to be that big about it, humanity to change the way that it operates. And, you know, you've got right at the foundational part of it, principles of sound money and how you distribute value between people. Ad tech is, is a pretty... Don't let me say it's quite a soft part of this, right? Yeah, you know, yeah, yeah, sure. it's oh, advertising, yeah. you know, it's it's people trying to sell more product through but at the same time, it's a massive industry. Yeah. Um, it's an industry that does need this. And I think that um, you know, what you guys have done is really smart and great to see because you've gone to find um, you know, some best in class technology and you've put you've put the problem and the solution together. And I think the interesting thing would be is getting the adoption of it, getting the early pilots up and running yeah. so that people can see um, the upside, right? Because mm-hmm. once people see the upside, then they won't go back. And it will be, be similar to the adoption of a lot of technology, I think. You know, nobody will use bank cards. Nobody's going to use internet shopping. Like, it, they will. And once they do, it will be slowly, slowly, and then all at once. Yeah, there's, I guess there's a bit like, I'm not sure where I read this find it loads it's not my it's not my study but it was it was comparing a lot of technology solutions to um human elevated lifts and then technology elevated lifts so like in the early 1900s when elevators were invented there was a huge uptake in the number of elevator assistants right because they had to run the lift and then as technology improved it became more automated and then you don't no longer leave someone in the lift yeah. to operate it and it's like if you kind of apply that to the the ad world, like okay, you started off where I would call someone and say, can I book X space on the front of X newspaper? And then it was, okay, can I do that digitally through your website? And then there was technology solutions that offered that. And then programmatic came in and started to automate it, but we hadn't, it wasn't quite an, as a nice solution as there was with the, the lift, right? It was quite much to give, but we really do feel that like, we're not trying to we're not trying to invent the wheel, reinvent the wheel. We're just trying to deliver on the premise that advertising has, right? It's the way that you can trade ads programmatically is amazing. Like the the issue with billboards right now, and we're not talking about that, but that's a monopolized market, right? You physically have to own a massive space in somewhere popular for you to have any value. And it's that's what's protected their industry. Because if you look at publishers, you have platforms that have essentially co-opted content in something that's more popular. And I think particularly younger people don't give a shit where they get their content from, right? You you don't know who you are when you're 18, 19, 20, 25, right? You you start and you figure yourself out, your political opinions, and then who best supports that in terms of publication. And then you come out in your 30s, perhaps with like a, a Guardian membership and the Times or whoever it may be, because they represent what you think about the world. And I think Facebook have been like, to, to, don't go to get to get to that point because everything you wanted is in this one platform. Right? Yeah. Where there's no 
there's no checks and balances. Not accountability. I think it's it's really interesting when you talk about the, the kind of the, the, the steps of technology. Because I'm I'm a little bit as you'd like to remind me, a little bit older than you. Yeah. When I started working in the industry and I, and I was buying inventory, I used to um, like kind of print off an insertion order. I used to fill it in manually, like with, with, with my pen, and I used to take it over to our fax machine, and I used to fax it to the to the publisher. And, and I was, what's a fax? I know, <laughs> I know, I know. And then, like two years later, we're like, oh, we've got the seismic change. We bought a scanner, yeah. and instead of instead of faxing it, I would then be putting it in the scanner, and then I would be, you know, then I'd be something emailing and something. Still have to sign Right, yeah, exactly. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> and, and, and I was, you know, like web ads were trained in, in that fashion as well, you know, before before yeah, like, servers and before, you know, like before programmatic like, came in. And then programmatic came in and it was, uh, you know, it, it was a real watershed moment, right? You know, this ability to transact in that fashion was hugely different. Yeah. But with that comes the same problems that you have with the fax machine. and the, yeah. you know, you know, It took a long time to get publishers to buy into it. I mean, I remember like, so the early exchange that I, I worked in was a company called Right Media, and Right Media wasn't actually initially based on a real-time environment. It was based on like, a mediation. So basically, if you were a um, legal agency, you'd have to go and speak to Andrew Publisher and construct a link between you and that publisher within the exchange and then that publisher would allow you to buy the inventory and, and so it was pretty manual and it actually took a while for exchanges to get liquidity from publishers uh, and to do the business development work required to get publishers to push enough inventory in so that that work in the early days to get the buy and the sell side to adopt it and then the early conversations were all about the quality of the inventory in there like um, ultimately um, the massive criticism in the first couple of years was it's unsold traffic. That's all that's in yeah. there. And so there, then came this, uh, you know, gold rush of, of data. It's not unsold inventory, it's audiences. Okay. Yeah. Right. Fine. You know, however, yeah, it's packaging, right? And there's, there's nothing, there's nothing ultimately wrong with that. And I think the point I'm making here is that publishers have got a right to make uh, money off the quality content they produce. Yeah. They've got a better chance of doing that if it's uh, transparent to a large number of buyers at the exact same time as to what's available. Mm -hmm. And what they're getting is exactly what it says on the on the tin. Right. And that's where you're going to see, um, <clears throat> I think, better data exchange between the publisher and the buyer. So that it's not just um, the ad unit size. Yeah. It'll be, you know, here's 10, 20 pieces of information about that ad placement. The company I work with uh, at the moment, that's what we do, right? We focus on trying to help buyers understand the ad placement very, very well before they actually go into the auction. Um, but blockchain will you know, just lay it all out, right? And it gives the opportunity for publishers to almost repackage their supply. If you think about it, you know, how do you, how do you advertise your wares in a world where, um, you know, it's available to a huge amount of people at the same time and also... Um, you're going to get uh, a better price for it because that buyer is not having to pay multiple people uh, just to, to the benefit of reaching the buyer. Yeah, you kind, of, you kind of get closer to the true value of what you're buying, right? Because you haven't had to pay the piper to cross the bridge to go by. Do you know what I mean? You're just 
this is the route to do it. And it's like, oh, God, kind of, if you imagine the world at the moment, like publishers are kind of looking through the letterbox almost. And it's like, well, okay, there's people who have the keys that don't let you in. Like, you can see what's in it. That's what you could have wanted almost. And it's like, well, no, like, like we said, like saying the whole way through, the people that matter on the internet and we're going to keep it going are us in this room, the users, the advertisers, and the publishers, right? Without those three, what's, there doesn't, there nothing happens, right? No one's reading the information, no one's creating the information, and no one's kind of powering that motor to go on. And it's, it's quite big, really, because when you think about what these publications are, and I know, soapbox a little bit here, it's just like the, it's independent journalism, right? Which is key to free speech, right? Which is then imperative to a democracy. And you can kind of see every day, like, how that's playing out, right? So if I if I turned up here and stopped you all like, right, we're going to do a talk about alchemy exchange, but have you heard of the world's flat? I've been in this Facebook group, like all the experiments, like legit, I'm telling you, it's a dead flat. You'd be like, Ben, shut the fuck up. Take the tinfoil off your hat, the world's not flat. We've been on holiday around it. Like, what are you talking about? But... Now you go onto Facebook and it's like, no, it is, but listen to Tinfoil, make an app and read this paper about this experiment we've done. We're going to get to the desert later on and Netflix turns up and their lasers are quite pointing where it should be. And like, whoa, 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 let's, let's go back to the mats. And that, that's happened because there's no one saying it's not true. Like, shut up, what are you talking about? You kind of get, get into these echo chambers, which ultimately led to a topless Viking with tattoos thinking that he was going to take the government. Do you know what I mean? It's like, yeah. whoa, what's happened here? And it was it was good originally, right? You had my girlfriend who's diabetic, like she's in a a group and they share life hacks like it and that's been great for her. It's like kind of a group of her friends that will talk about being diabetic, right? And that's the good side. But where there's no balances like you have on a newspaper, like if if a publisher lies about someone, they will give sue for libel or something slanderous on TV perhaps. And it's because Facebook and, and platforms have co-opted these eyeballs, publishers have had no choice but to kind of follow where their audience went, which is kind of polarised people. So like the left got more left and the right got more right. And the, the headlines were more sensational because publishers are desperate and stay afloat. So they chase clips. They write clickbait headlines. Yeah. We've seen it, the, the right rails were just like, someone steps over a puddle, you're like, I have to see it. Right? It, it, it's, not, it's not good, right? It, it is good, but it's not good in my opinion. Like there's... It's no longer about, you know, headlines used to be something that were printed on newspapers, yeah. right? And newspapers, uh, obviously, not clickable. And so people would write headlines, um, you know, with the intention of framing the story. But now, you know, almost the headlines become the point. Mm, yeah, absolutely. Um, and, you know, the amount of, uh, you know, kind of, clickbait and, and junk uh, empty pages really mm-hmm. just carrying carrying out as a result yeah. well yeah it's like the people have this like headlines is like a tweet right it's 140 characters and that's you get most of your story from that but no one's looked into and tracking human beings aren't designed to speak to a random group of strangers in 140 characters we've never done that you would speak to like, thousands of years ago the people that were in your immediate circle even hundreds of years ago people that were in your immediate circle and all of a sudden I can say whatever I want in 140 or 280 characters, and I will only get responses from the people that really agree with me or people that vehemently disagree with me. And that's not a particularly nice place to be, right? Like, unless it needs a shift, and then you make loads of money. Yes. <laughs> <laughs> it's just, it's, 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 it's just like. My son's banging into 
uh, clips like this. Yeah, yeah, it's like this. yeah. yeah. It, you never know what hides behind it. I know Peter Schiff's probably like sitting on like a couple of thousand Bitcoin. Yeah, yeah, yeah. care about anything, but yeah, he's been a wonderful uh, kind of. I mean, he, he was originally painted as a baddie, not baddie. His original kind of, uh, you know, the the anti the establishment yeah. rail against him because he's yeah. you know a gold bug. It's a boomer syndrome as well. Of course, he's always yeah. rich. He's to be, you know, he's, he's always. His son's really into Bitcoin, is it? Like, yeah. Like, oh, like the, the yeah. internal battle of the family. But it's yeah, like, it's just sending it out, isn't it? Do you know what I mean? It's, uh, it's well, no, you've got the wonderful thing about, because we were talking about this before the camera went on, like the, the interesting thing with a. Uh, so recently I've started to really open my eyes to the fact that. The world is flat. flat. That's what this is really all about. Yeah, it's just the globe. This is the globe world. we're on right now. <laughs> I hope this doesn't come out wrong. But I've started to find the views of younger people really interesting. So yeah. Now when I hear from somebody or see somebody's comment and I find out they're 20-something, I'm far more engaged than I am um, with, with people who are the supposed wisdom. Right. And it's because I just feel like they're much more in touch with zeitgeist and what's yeah. happening and how, and certainly in a space like um, the blockchain industry and the associated cryptocurrency space inevitably it's a younger person's uh, interest area so I guess what I'm going with this is like you've got you've got a uh, a wave of people yeah. that are not thinking in the way that uh, the previous two generations thought and they're being born into this ability to have uh, a decentralised future, and they and they just uh, they just completely dark to water. Like, there's no concept of, but does this work or will this work? They just have accepted it yeah. completely, totally. And to actually see that happening with uh, massive ancient, you know, uh, greedy and foul industries like the finance industry and property industry just bombs going off like the actual like foundations being yeah. being taken apart by kids people who aren't actually old enough to be their father but they're just doing it without it's they're not even doing it um, malevolently they're just doing it because it's natural to them it's fun and, they, and what they're doing i guess what i'm saying is they're, they're owning their own future yeah totally and it's agree. brilliant to see these who was it who was on TV the other day? Uh, Munger and Buffett. You know, mm-hmm. they're, they're both in their 90s. Yeah. And they're being held up as like um, these, you know, people that we should go and interview about something like blockchain, which has been around for a decade or so, right? It, 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 how? Why? And yeah. you, you'll know Michael Saylor, right? The, 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 the sort of the, yeah, I would call him an activist, the activist CEO of MicroStrategy. Mm-hmm. And he's famous for putting Bitcoin on his company's balance sheet. And he was interviewed by this woman uh, on American TV, right? And, and she was like, so, you know, quite to the accent, but what do you, what do you think about, um, you know, the fact that these two really experienced uh, guys are, are rubbishing uh, the entire uh, blip, uh, industry around Bitcoin? And he's like, they're, they're old enough to be your father. Yeah. Would you go to your 96-year-old grandfather and ask him about the latest technology? And it was just like, you probably wouldn't, and that is being that is being ageist because to an extent you have to be when you're talking about new things. You know, children and younger people inevitably adopt things earlier, right? Because they're still learning. So I'm, I feel like at the moment you've got a, a wave of uh, connected 
youth, which we weren't connected in the 70s. Yep. You were where you lived. They weren't connected in the 80s. You were where you lived. You didn't get to speak to people in other countries in this way. You know, it's connected, mm-hmm. uh, mobilised, and, and arguably financed and independent youth coming through. It's brilliant. Yeah. <laughs> it's like, it's yeah. really, really, really brilliant. Like, I'm, I've got every interest in, like, watching the next five, ten years yeah. because there's going to be um, a host of, uh, you know, rich, entitled uh, white men Overthrown. <laughs> yeah. A long way. It's brilliant. It's great to see. Because yeah, and I, I think like I can't remember what point I was going. Uh, I, I, I do it, and again, this is a great phrase. I don't, I don't think I made it up. I'm not sure I got it from, but it's like history doesn't repeat itself, but it rhymes. And yes. it's like, okay, so Warren Buffett was one of the first value investors. He he identified disruptive technologies, and that made him very wealthy. But then he's very wealthy now. So he has got he's got something to lose. Whereas like if you're if you just graduated, you're twenty one and you look at your bank account and they get right like, make one percent interest over a year. Well you wish Denmark just rolled out negative uh, interest rates for yeah. even over ten thousand euro, minus point one five percent. That part of it, so one of the biggest, I know we're off on a bit of a segue now, but it's all associated and people will be watching this for different areas of interest. Mm-hmm. So one of the greatest challenges I had in the last couple of years was trying to explain to people that um, a technology like Bitcoin is not um, you know, a scam just because it's new, right? yeah. And just it's not a scam just because it's replacing uh, uh, what everybody thinks is legitimate, like government-backed money. And when you break down the the argument for people, I have had friends where the pennies drop, yeah. and they're like, "Yeah, I'm like, you know how every year stuff's more expensive. Mm-hmm. You know how every year your money doesn't go as far." That's because you're the frog in the pan of water while it just heats up around you. Absolutely, yeah. And they're like, so what's the difference with this? I said, well, it's not, it, it, it's the principles of it. It's the principles of that it's, it's finite. Yeah. And, you know, when you, when you talk about, um, you know, money, you're giving, you're giving people money, but at the same time, you're creating more of it. So yeah. what you've given them costs less and you use that to control them. And then you create the infrastructure around it. Like, it's kind of, it's kind of, you know, uh, hugely uh, exciting to think that the next generation of technologists, um, you know, probably people in their 30s, I would say, these guys who have been through the first generation technologies and are now in the second and third generation technologies, they are, they are going to liberate, you know, entire, uh, you know, Time nations yeah, from, yeah. from 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 the, 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 the less that they started off with the like free flow of information, the internet, right? It was all about connecting computers and different universities mm-hmm. and stuff like that. And now we can all learn anything on the internet. Well, we did the next thing that's going to happen is like added to that. And like once you have free flow of information and money, those like old industries they don't really stand a chance because they tried to build this thing. That it's immovable and it's like first time that you know there's the democratization of money basically and anybody can get in and anybody can do anything differently yeah. 
and create a system that is better than what exists now. I mean, it used to be a case that innovation was the hard bit, right? Consolidation was the easy bit. But we're suddenly getting to a point where that's not the case, where anybody can innovate and do something different. And you can share it with anybody. I mean, the fact that, the fact that you can um, effectively, through tokenization, you can crowdfund, yeah. you know, enables entrepreneurship, which was previously so laborious and again, privileged. Yeah. You know, that, that removal of um, the requirement to have privilege to access things. Yeah. And, you know, everybody comes from a different position. Uh, some people born into families where, um, you know, there is money and they know how to make money. And then a lot of really clever people born into situations where there's nobody knows how to make money, right? But now you've got um, the availability of the building blocks, which is internet connection and a device. Yeah. And then through that, um, you know, the applications and online systems that allow you to do almost anything, you know, so anybody can transfer value, anybody can uh, run a business, uh, anybody can communicate, share information. Um, it's, it's, it's wonderful. And I think that when you realize how long uh, a small select group of people have just bled, you yeah. know, the rest of us, um, it's great to see, um, it, it being yeah. thoroughly, thoroughly disruptive. Well, yeah, there's people will scream. Like, they don't know what they're doing. They're putting their money into a meme or whatever it may be. But it's like, well, look. There has to be some failures. There has to be some failures because at the end of the day, it, it, human nature, one of the big characteristics is greed, right? Yeah. And, and, and self, right? Mm-hmm. So wanting to make money is normal. Um, and I would say there's a percentage of people that are, not interested in money, but then there's a much higher percentage of people that are, right? Because it's a, a vessel that allows you to, to liberate yourself. The, the cryptocurrency space will create a lot of money and it will also, um, there will also be some stories around people that lost a lot of money, right? But that's not unique to the cryptocurrency industry. And at the end of the day, it's allowed to happen. It's not, you know, there'll be regulations pushed in by, um, you know, companies or governments that try and control these things. But this is definitely not my quote. You can't kill an idea, right? Mm. The, the, the genie's out of the bowl. And you, all you see now is the action and then the reaction. So I think Bitcoin is probably the best example because because of what it represents mm. um, and the fact that there is no CEO of it and there's no way to kind of put it back into its box. Nigeria um, banned the trading of cryptocurrencies. And then overnight, it became like the most explosive yeah. market, yeah. right? So they had to rethink. And, and this is what's wonderful to see is it's like you can't tell people how their future is going to be once they've smelled a better opportunity. Absolutely. There will yeah. be revolution. Yeah. It's that libertarian dream, isn't it, that we all aim for in crypto, really? And, yeah. Well, look, I mean, you know, having to, having to ask permission to own things and to to operate your own money from an entity that doesn't treat you know, and also <laughs> and also just it's it's not even it's not fair. Yeah. So you're instantly taught through society. You're, you're basically drugged through media and the way that everybody was educated through you know broadcasts from the government to do certain things, you know, it's the right thing to do. It's what good people do, you know, and, you know, to see so much free thought 
And yeah, it's these little phrases that I've started seeing um, again. You know, it's this. I think it's because I use Twitter a lot, and Twitter has got a, a, a youthful audience. You do you, I'll do me, yeah. right? and that's actually a phrase I've seen multiple people like, in their early twenties using. But what it actually represents to me is is, is you know, yeah. it's a great way of thinking. So you do what you want to do, I'll do what I want to do, and it's it's to say why can't we create a society where everybody's allowed to to do what they want to do? Society is built on rails that allow you to do that. Yeah. So it's not like it's not the one curve elevator. You can go up, down, sideways, right? But you still have to exist within the infrastructure. You can't just you can't just be rogue and cheat people and scam people. But you can do what you want. And you know, from a from the perspective of starting the financial industry, moving into the ad tech industry, um, blockchain is really liberating. But it's it's such a dry, complicated technology to explain to people. Yeah. That that's where all the effort goes, mm-hmm. and and that's what happened in ad tech. To kind of go back to the point of our conversation is the early blockchain companies. Are, invariably, what happens is you build a piece of technology, you take it to market, you have to hire a salesperson. Salesperson focuses on the what, not the why, because yeah. they're really trying to teach themselves because they're not an engineer. So they go to the meeting and they say, <gasps> right. What we do is, and the person on the side goes, you know, and so there's, there's this very, very small gene pool of, of, of people that will go in and say, forget forget what we do, let's talk about the, the two or three things that you're going to be able to do as a result of this. You have zero reconciliation, yeah. zero fraud, and you're interested, 100% interested. Yeah. And for, for the rollout of Alchemy, I think you've got a, a really great uh, moment where um, people realise that you know the technology has real world applications. Yeah. You are not, you know, you need competitors, you need a market, you need other companies to be doing these things. Otherwise, you're just the the, the guy sort of shouting about what's coming next. Um, so it's very exciting. Times. Yeah, and I think that we we've obviously all come from the advertising world, right, and like discovered crypto, and I think that. I always say that crypto Twitter's in it's like adolescence, right? Like if it, 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 it first a kid and like there wasn't much adoption by the adults in the room and then You couldn't find anything about so um you couldn't find anything on Bitcoin when I started looking for it, it was twenty sixteen. Mm. The only things that you could find were articles about it being fraudulent. Yeah. And crime. Yeah, yeah. crime. And map box, yeah. right? Yeah. And stuff that happened kind of before I got into it. And it was it was a, probably a few thousand people globally that were committed to it and were publicly committed to it and, and had put their personal brand against it. 2017 saw a tremendous global investment in it, um, really hysteria around price and, and, and you know, people just chasing, uh, putting in 10, getting back 20 or whatever it was, right? And so then when there uh, there was an exodus of that retail money and there wasn't any institutional money to back it up, there came the natural comment of, and we told you that was a yeah, yeah. But, but yeah, exactly, yeah. So, so that, that kind of watching it come round again this time, it's, it's tremendously interesting because you think about, going back to what I was saying earlier about the, the younger generation, how when they... I don't know. It's like touchscreen technology. If you put touchscreen technology in front of a kid, they don't think, wow. They just think, of course it's like that. Yeah. So yeah. if you put that in front of a four-year-old, they're trying to swipe their screen. <laughs> and that is um, because they just have adopted things much quicker. So 
watching the cryptocurrency community explode on Twitter, you've obviously got layers of it. You've got people that are actually working in the industry who tend to be, they tend to be quite frustrated by the hysteria. They want yeah. to point out the seriousness of the applications. Yeah, yeah, yeah <laughs> you know, all these people. The cynical part of me thinks a lot of them are already very rich. Therefore, <laughs> therefore they're like allowed to not care about money because they have so much of it, right? Yeah. Then you've got like, probably the most interesting generation of people who, I include you guys in that, who are building a future of the opportunity bit. Some of them are self-publicists, some of them are YouTubers, some of them, are, a lot of them are traders, or supposed traders, or however you want to call it, right? And then you have the general population, right? People who are just interested parties in it. It's great, you know, you're allowed to get, all of this was going on when all other new things were invented. It just wasn't necessarily on the internet. Like, yeah. You know, when gold was discovered, there was a gold rush and yeah. all the businesses that went up around it and entire towns and cities and economies uh, were founded on it, you know. Um, that just wasn't put on the internet. Yeah. Right? You know, and all we're seeing now is um, that behaviour, again, with um, a technology rather than a, a sort of a, a natural asset, um, but yeah, as I said, one of our advisors said something very similar to that actually. Um, we're on the phone with him a couple of weeks ago, and he lives in Cornwall. He said the community he lived in Cornwall at one point was the was the richest community on the planet, <laughs> yeah, because of because of tin. You want to add another north? Yeah, yeah. Yeah. Bad line, bad line. <laughs> Um, and and then yeah and then you know and then 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 it passes then it passes but but they they say the technology has just evolved from this now on now it's now yeah. it just happens to there's, be a, there's a rising tide if you will and I think because of the internet it's able to gather in people and just like everyone comes up because one thing I personally have been blown away by is just. The people who've got in touch with the community, like everyone gets it right, and they they want to get involved and they offer their help, and it's like. Wow, I'm like kind of blown away. We've said this. It's just like people that have already been involved with us. It's incredible. I want to thank you guys because we've just got a good idea, right? And it's like we thought we were crazy for a long time. I'm kind of sat. I sat in a small box room and just spoke about this to myself and Neil <laughs> and Charlie a lot of the time. And it's like now it's now we're talking about it. Speaks people like you, and it's like, hey, fuck up. Like, we think we maybe are the right kind of crazy, right? We just need to like measure it, and that's where I'm eternally grateful for just the corporate training I've had, right? And the rigor that you have to apply to a full-time job. Like, particularly in sales, like, if you're not booking meetings, you don't follow up, then you don't pick a target, and then you're looking for a new job. And it's like, ad tech kind of made me, and it's like, I found this new technology and applied it to what I was thinking, and I was like, holy shit, this could actually be quite... And it's the first... In 2016, if I found this, I wouldn't have done it, right? Because... People, I thought the same thing about it in the sense of I knew that I knew that I was very, very interested by it. I knew that I believed in it and I knew that it was not going to go away. The challenge I had, I think, at that point, going back five years, was twofold. One was just real world practical yeah. things like I have two young children. <laughs> Um, a mortgage, yeah. <laughs> yeah. I, I I wasn't in a position to join like a completely, uh, you know, new industry which had, being honest, nobody I knew working in it. Yeah. You know, so you would just you would have to go and find people. Yeah. Right? So I guess I didn't have the uh, the minerals to do that at that point. Also, I think I just didn't see enough examples of where you could get involved with companies. Yeah. 
Um, you know, now you've got companies, you know, expanding at a phenomenal rate, remote work, um, you know, and also a lot of the early stage requirements for companies were for developments, right? Yeah. So it was for people who can build the products, not so much people that would uh, commercially adopt them. But at the end of the day, you know, the, the interesting thing about this conversation today is it's convergence, isn't it? Yeah. So, you know, five years ago, you had uh, uh, Bitcoin and Ethereum as these kind of, these two uh, new technologies um, and everybody was arguing and debating about the longevity and the, the validity of them in the first place. You fast forward five years and there's no question of those things, right? Those That question is completely left the building. It's been really, really remarkable for me in the last six months to see how I've gone from having people just say, all right, mate, whatever. And so I just stopped. I'm sure like you, I just stopped talking to yeah. certain friends about it. To having people say to me, yeah, no, completely in. I'm going to start doing these things now. I'm changing my behavior. And that's kind of makes me realize that, A, it's still really early, mm-hmm. but also B, that we're, we're probably underestimating where it will go. Yeah. Like once you see, because you've got all the projects that haven't been publicized yet. And, you know, the fact that nation states and governments, they're not doing nothing about it. Yeah. Right? Yeah. They, just, they just don't market things until they're done right? yeah. because they can't, because they have a population to manage. Right? Mm-hmm. So my point is, is that when you start seeing forward-thinking countries in developing regions of the world, say, uh, we've put all our healthcare infrastructure on blockchain. So, like, you know, that, that to me will, will be when you, you start to realise that it's, it's bubbling up yeah. from underneath. And the time it takes to do the business development, like if you want to work with a local government, if you want to work with a multinational or a bank, you know, those deals are three, four years. They're, they're not they're not even they're not months. So you're gonna see this year, um, it's driven through the price of Bitcoin because everyone's excited about getting rich and a lot of people will get rich. And, but by the by, once all that subsides, you will just continue to see the technology get adopted and you know, things like, um, you know, NFTs, you know, like a completely new market being created off the back of, um, you know, uh, the industry is, is remarkable. We are going to have to wind up this session. So on the joys of shared office space, thank you all for tuning in. Thanks for listening. Yeah. yeah. Thank you guys. Cheers, mate. That was, 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 that was